we wanted to do the video at the end so you would know the stories before you saw the pictures because you won't remember and connect them. So we want you to connect them. It's cool how um, God works things out. When David chose that song, he had no idea, as far as I know, that song has some special significance for this team. Because um, in Nicaragua, in Managua, which is the capital city, one of our ministries was to go um, to La Chureca. La Chureca is a dump. It's not like our landfill. It is huge as far as the eye can see in, in the directions. And in the middle of that landfill, in the stench and the filth, there's a small community and there is a school ran by the missionaries that we worked with. But as we were leaving La Chureca, the second largest dump in, South, in Central America, that song was playing. We were with the team of young adults, so we had iPod and iTouch and iEverything. And so blaring through the speakers on our orange school bus was God of the City as we drove out of that dump. And it was such a visual picture in all the filth and the madness and the human deprivation that takes place in that particular place, which we have no imagination to comprehend, God is still there. And he was still there for us in the personhood of our feet walked there, our hands touched those children and played with those children and ministered to those people. And so that, that was a very special blessing. You know, some people say, why do we always do mission trips? Why do we go here? Why do we go there? What about the people next door? You know, God, when he told us to go, he didn't say, just go one place. As you saw on the video, there's a whole world. And our responsibility as believers, as keepers of the word, as sharers of the word, as ministers of light, as ambassadors for Christ, is to not just go there or there, but it's to go around the world because there are lost people next door, there are lost people in Chicago, there are lost people in Canada, but there's lost people in Nicaragua and Africa and Japan and everywhere. And if we have the precious gift of salvation and the message, how can they hear? God's word says, unless we go. And if your feet can't literally go because of perhaps health reasons, then are you going through praying? Because prayer is what storms the gates of hell. There's power in prayer. And so don't say, I can't have a part. You do have a part. We all have a part. I was looking for a scripture, and I was in Mark chapter um, 6. Because I want to communicate so badly, and each team member is going to share just a few moments. Um, why do we do this? One of the reasons in this, this is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's found in all of the Gospels. It's a familiar story, but, you know, they're out there. People are all around. Jesus is teaching. It's late. The disciples came and said, listen, this is the wilderness. It's late. And I'm looking in verse 36. And their answer was, good grief, send these people away. We need to 
Go find us something to eat. They need to go find them something to eat. Just get rid of the need. Um, send them away. And I had written, Jesus saw the need. We see the nuisance. And what a mission trip does for us, I saw things on this mission trip that I'm not going to see in Harrisburg. I experienced things on this mission trip of people's need, not only for Christ, but for other things that we can share and that we can help them with by going on this mission trip. Our eyes are open when we go to Africa, when we go to Canada, when we go to Nicaragua. I think part of the reason God allows us to go these places is because our eyes are beginning to be opened that it's not my responsibility to just take care of me and mine. As a believer, it is my responsibility to share the gospel with other people. And then I had another quote. We will never say what Jesus says until we see what Jesus sees. And when you go and when you experience some of these things that you're going to see on the slides and on the video or that you hear from the people or that you've heard in conversation with us, we want to take you where we have been. We want you to experience what we have been able to experience. And so I wanted to share a little bit about what we did, where we went, who we worked with. We worked with One Hearts Ministries, which is a ministry to specifically children and families. One Hearts um, runs rescue homes. A rescue home is not an orphanage. A rescue home is children that specifically have been taken out of sexually abusive situations in La Chureca, which is the dump. Um, children have been prostituted by their mother or their father for first dibs on the trash coming in on the trash trucks. We can't even comprehend that. But one or other of the parents has come to the ministry and said, would you take our child to a safe place and take care of them? They're allowed to go and come if the mother at any point in time or the father comes to the home and says, I need them back now, then they go back. Um, and we've had that take place a couple of times. And uh, Murray Church, one of the young ladies had been taken back. And she would, was just reaching like puberty. And you're like, oh, bad time. Don't take her back there now. But she was back at the home this time. So we were so thankful because we were specifically told to look for that Jackie, that little girl. And so there's a rescue home ministry. There's a school in La Chureca. Um, we worked with the children. There's a boys' home and there's a girls' home. And... Um, their ministries to help them. And then we worked, there's a small church just a few blocks right outside the dump. And that was where we did the eye clinic. We toted glasses and then um, we toted our auto refractor that we went from the um, Holland Ministries. And just like we did the eye exams in Africa, we had electricity. We didn't have to work off a card battery. So ours was much easier. We had a nurse that worked with us. And so those are just some of the things. But I wanted to share, I ran the auto refractor. And so the process at this little church, which is a daycare, and you'll see and hear some other things about that. Um, we had two morning clinics for people with eye problems. And so they came, we got there on our big orange school bus that looks just like our big orange school buses. And so we pull up and here's people very nicely lined up in chairs waiting for us to arrive on the side of the daycare because the daycare is people in the dump bring their small children there and they will watch them in a safe place while they go out and go through the trash. 
And so they're sitting there nicely. So we run in. We're all excited because, you know, you just never know when you have a party if anybody's going to show up. And so it was like, y'all are invited, but we hope you come. And it was really cool because the people were there waiting on us. And so the first morning we did it, and Elizabeth Busby, our nurse, she's a young lady. She's a single lady. She's 30 years old. And uh, she, of course, she's very fluent in um, Spanish, and so she's talking and speaking. And then I had an interpreter. Then we had the glasses where we had all the glasses laid out. And then Lindsay fitted them, and she had an interpreter. We had young adults, like 19 years old, our interpreters. They were wonderful. And so I had asked Elizabeth, because I had never been there, said, is it offensive if I ask um, the patients to pray with them? And she's like, oh, no. I said, can I touch their face? Because in Africa, all these things you have to like, can I do this? Can I do this? She's like, oh, yeah, they don't care. And so it was so cool. I, I had kind of talked to God about how can I make this personal? I want them to see God in us somehow. And so one of the ways that we were able to do that is every person that came through the eye clinic, they would sit down in a chair across from me, and I would sit down. We would do the autorefractor, and then I would say my interpreter, would you ask him if I can pray with him? Every person said yes. So I took both of their hands, and I tried to ask them something personal about their name on their card. Um, one lady was expecting, so I said, hey, I have a daughter that's expecting. And, you know, trying to find something common. And every one of them, I was able to say, thank you, God, for sending this person to this place today because I wanted them to understand we were not the Americans coming to help them we were the Americans that God had sent to help them because our purpose is to see that God gets the glory for what we do as believers we don't want any glory we don't want the thanks we want them to say look what God did and so we did that the whole morning and it was really neat it was, it was a wonderful experience and the second morning we get pretty much the same thing. We have the patients sitting there. And the first five or six patients were, were a little bit older women, like in their 60s. So the first one comes up and sit down, and, and I'm talking back and forth. It was so good to have an interpreter because we could just chat. And so then when I, it got time to pray with her, I held her hands, and I started praying. She starts crying. There's tears dripping on my hands. And I'm going, you know, thank you, God, for this woman. Thank you for bringing her to this place. Thank you for bringing us to this place that we can share with her. And I'm praying that God will help us to find glasses to help them see better. And she's crying. The first, like, five women, they're all just crying. They're just, like, so thankful. And we haven't even found them glasses yet. We don't even know if we'll have glasses for them yet. All we've done is just say, we'll try. And so that was so touching. But then one of the women, she, as soon as I took her hand, she started sobbing. I mean, sobbing. Her shoulders were shaking. And so I put my arms around her, and she's just shaking and heaving. And so I'm just shaking and heaving, and we're all just crying. And, and the, Elizabeth looks over. She was the nurse, and she's like, what's going on down there? And I said, I think we're having revival, you know? <laughs> and it was just so cool because... I understood this is my sister in Christ because these were obviously women who were believers and they got it. They got that God had saw them in their need and that he sent someone to help them and they were so touched by that. 
And so that was, that was a real eye-opening experience for me because in Africa that doesn't happen so much because you can't be touchy-feely. Everything is, is farther off. And I just really felt like we connected as sisters in Christ, even though it was very far away. So you'll have to talk to us and ask us all tons of other stories and, and fun moments. Um, but right now we're going to move on. And Lucy's up next. I heard that song and then I just, just started crying. So you have to bear with me. I'm going to be crying again tonight. So. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank God for giving me the opportunity to go on the mission trip to Nicaragua and especially to experience it with Cassie, my daughter. That was amazing. Sorry. But like Judy said, when we were working... Um, where we did the eye clinic at the school, um, the preschool there. I thought this was going to be easier this time. There were children, there were babies there, and there were um, a preschool class, two and three year old. And then there was um, a kindergarten class and a first and second grade class. And um, several of the kids that went with us from Murray, they like babies too. So I decided I was going to share, let them have the babies this time. So I went into the two and three year old class and I really connected with the teacher that was in there. And she was, she was uh, Michael Shelby to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> She was only about 20 years old, and uh, she had uh, probably 22 kids in there in a room that was probably not any bigger than my bathroom at home. Um, she was by herself in there all day long. And the first, that full day that we went there, or that afternoon when we went there to do the eyeglass cleaning, or it was in the morning, they were not allowed to leave that room all day because we were doing the eyeglass clinic. Normally they get to go out into not a yard, but it's like a side driveway, and the whole thing is fenced in there, but they could go out and run around and play, and um, this day, they were they were all, they all had to stay in there. The only time that they did get to go out was to, uh, when they got to eat uh, their dinner, and they did feed them breakfast and lunch. Um, they had red beans and rice and fried plantains every day for morning and breakfast, for lunch, breakfast and lunch, but uh, the two and three-year-olds, I helped in there, and um, Cassie and I stayed in there a lot. She helped with me, helped me in there too. But just to watch them eat, um, they were still on defense mode from being in the dump. They uh, grabbed each other's food off their plates. They slapped each other in the head. If someone took their food off their plate, um, food would fall on the floor, and they would all scramble to the floor and pick it up and you know eat it off the floor. Um, and there were a few that were nice. If they were full, they would pass their plate around to the next little little child, and they would they would eat their food, and they would just eat, 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 eat. But um, the second day we went, one little girl after lunch, she got she was real quiet, and um, they weren't quiet at all. They were all rowdy and ran around and screamed and yelled, and I don't know how the young teacher 
did it all day, every day by herself. But anyway, this one little girl was quiet. They had a, they're out. They had an outdoor. They had a kitchen, but outside is where you wash the dishes. And that's also where they had a small sink where they, they could wash the children off. And um, the teacher had to take all the kids out there. And I noticed one little girl ran back in the classroom, and I went in there to look look at her, and I could tell she didn't feel good, and she was standing there really still. And she never cried, though, but she had gone to the bathroom all over herself. And in the bath, I took her to the bathroom, and there was no running water in the bathroom. I mean, there was a toilet, but no sink. And no, there was a shower, but no water came out of the shower. So I didn't know. I took all of her clothes off of her, and she was just standing there. You know, she's only two, maybe. I don't even know if she was two or not, but standing there looking at me with these big old brown eyes. And I was like, you know, and I, I couldn't speak her language, but I was like, honey, you're going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to clean you up, and you're going to be okay. So when the teacher came in, and I, she couldn't, I mean, I just, we communicated by, uh, I don't know how we communicated. God was there and communicated between us because we did, I didn't speak Spanish and she didn't speak English. But she saw that the little girl had um, gone to the bathroom all over herself and she said, come with me. So she took her out to the sink and she lifted up the little girl and the, the little girl just squatted in the sink where they washed their hands and Sorry. She never cried, and I was a stranger to her. And she was looking at that kid with those big brown eyes. And the teacher brought me a bar soap. We had no washcloth. And I washed her with my hands and the soap and cleaned her up as best I could. I even washed her hair because I knew that she probably hadn't had her hair washed in a long time. And I know that. I was telling her to close her eyes, and she did everything I did. I, I asked her to do. I don't know how she understood me, but she did. And the whole time I was doing that, I was thinking of Felix. You know, here he has this big bathtub with bubbles and all kinds of toys, and he can sit in the bathtub, you know, for an hour. And this little girl just sit there and let me wash her and take care of her. Then when we were finished, there were no um, towels to dry her, so I had to stand in the sun. And I just shook her like this, and she finally fell asleep in my arms. And um, I took her up front, and I asked the teacher if I could have a diaper to put on her because I didn't want her to have another accident. And I put a diaper on her and laid her down, and she laid there with all the other babies. And and you'll see a picture of that. There's about, I don't know if there's five or six babies. They, They just lay them down in a row, and they go to sleep by themselves usually. They just lay on a blanket that's in the in the middle of the floor, and there's no air conditioner there. There is one fan up above the babies that they let blow on the babies when they're sleeping, but there's no air and sweat's just dripping off of off of you. But um, that was my one story I was going to tell you. And like Judy said, I do have many more, but um, I limited it down to that one. But um, I did feel hope there in uh, Nicaragua. The government was cleaning up the dump and. Um, clearing it out, and even the group that had, from Murray, they said that um, since they, some of them had been there in the past, they couldn't believe how much had been cleared out, but still, like Judy said, it was all you could see from as far as your eyes would let you was dumb, but they could tell a difference, and they were planting um, vegetation in the dump for them, and um, I, I just, 
I, I felt so. I felt God there is what I did. Where I, I did not feel that in Haiti. Um, they had the rescue homes, the church, the school in the middle of the dump, and that was something I didn't know what we were doing when we pulled into the dump. The bus takes us all the way around, and then all of a sudden we just start going backwards. The bus is backing down this road about this wide, just straight back for a long way. And then right in the middle, in the very middle of the dump, is this school, this uh, brick building that they, I think they have 300 children that come there every day. And, and they're safe there from while their parents are out rummaging through the dump because they eat out of the dump. Whatever they find in the dump, they sell, uh, you know, plastic bottles or... And you'll see a little boy, I think, Cassie put that picture on there, that he has a bag that is bigger than he is, full of plastics that he's carrying down to wherever he can cash in to sell. But um, um, every night, um, and this is even since from when I went to Haiti, when I close my eyes, I see the images and the faces of all these children. Some of them I learned their names, and some of them I, I won't even have their names. But I want you guys to pray for each and every one of them, as I do. And um, um, I did. Ha- I have one Bible verse. It's Ephesians six seven, and it says, um, "Serve." I can read it here. Sorry. Serve wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Um, as if you were serving the Lord, not men. And even as rewarding as it is for me to go and hug and love on, on the children there, um, I do it for God. Thank you. I know everybody's full of stories, so I'm going to try not to give too many stories. Uh, the thing that I want to talk about is go. I mean, we're commanded to go, and that's what I want to focus on. Uh, having been to several places, Haiti being the last, Haiti was a hard place. I wouldn't encourage my wife to go to Haiti. But Nicaragua is a place that all of us can go. I mean, with the mission group that we worked with, it's kind of amazing at all the areas that they're dealing with. They've got the rescue homes. They've got the school. They've got the daycare. And there are several more that we didn't even get to experience. They, they work with an Indian people that's on the other side of Nicaragua. It takes seven hours to drive. Then you get in a boat and go for two days in a boat to even reach this group of people. So, I mean, we didn't even get to experience that. But... We did get to experience a very small segment of Managua. For those of you that don't know a lot about geography, before I was going, I was telling everybody I was going to Nicaragua. And they said, well, where in Africa is that? And I said, well, it's not in Africa. It's in Central America. So, but Managua is a huge, sprawling city. Judy, do you know how many people? Millions, millions of people. And when we went to Port-au-Prince, it also had millions of people, but it was different. I mean, there was some semblance of civilization there. 
if you looked for it, I mean, you could find malls, you could find businesses. It wasn't the utter chaos that Haiti was. And I believe, I mean, looking down here at the youth, it would not be a stretch for a group of this youth to get in a plane and go to Nicaragua in months. You know, everybody in here, I think, could find a role in Nicaragua. Being the logical, want to fix what I can fix person, I sat down with Chris Harrington, who is one of the uh, missionaries down there, and said, what do you need us to do? And I just assumed he'd say, well, we need this, we need this, we need this. And then I was going to say, okay, well, we've got this person and this person. But his response was, just bring people. Our need is so great that whoever you bring, we will find a spot for them to serve. And I know it seems overwhelming. It seems definitely out of your comfort zone. Small story I'll share. Out of your comfort zone. For those of you that know me and for those of you that don't, I am not a baby person. <laughs> so for God to lay on my heart, you need to go to Nicaragua on this trip where you're going to deal with small children and babies. I'm thinking, surely somebody else is more qualified for this than I am. But if he can use me in Nicaragua, Nicaragua on this trip, he can use you, I'm sure. One thing that I did find, boys are boys no matter where you go. I, and there may be some pictures where I'm holding boys over my head, pretending to throw them, and they love it. I'm not, I'm not injuring kids. <laughs> There were no Nicaraguans harmed in the film. <laughs> but I, I want you to understand, and I'm not going to go on and on. Go. Go, go, go. If you're not able to go, send, send, send. I know there are people here that would love. They may not know it yet, but they would love to go down there. Once you've been, I think it gets in your blood. It's contagious. I would love to go to Haiti, Nicaragua, and do that full time. I don't know that my wife is called to go to Nicaragua or Haiti full time. Maybe at some point. But especially this group here. You've got to experience it. It is very easy to live in America and think you've got it rough. We don't know what rough is. I mean, we can take the poorest person in this group, the person with the hardest lifestyle. You don't know what it's like. I mean, we go into the, into the rescue homes. As Judy said, every child has been abused. And they've got a glow. I mean, we don't see that in America. We don't see the glow, the joy that people have when they have nothing. We're all wrapped up in our stuff. So pray about it. Please consider, let God lead you, but there is a place in Nicaragua, in Nicaragua for you to serve.
this summer that I could do something different. I wanted to give it to God. I gave up cheerleading to go on this trip, so that was different. So I didn't really know what to expect because I'd never been on a trip. Mom really wanted me to go with her because she doesn't really like to go by herself. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that's for me. Like, I've always wanted to go on a mission trip, but I just wasn't sure. And school's a big thing for me. I'm a straight-A student, and if we miss more than three days, we have to take finals. And so I was, like, wanting to go, but I didn't want to have to take finals. So that was the big thing for me, which is really stupid. And um, so I was just like, okay, Mom, I'll pray about it. So I did, and I kept praying and kept praying, and it was the day that Judy had to know if we were going or not. And Mom was about to walk out the door, and she was like, I need to know if you're going. And I was like... Just give me a minute. So I went up and I prayed and I was just like, God, if you want me to go, I know that you will work everything out. And he did. I didn't have to take finals. <laughs> so now I know that you just always have to trust him. So I knew going into it that we were going to be working with children and we would go to this dump. And I knew that that was just going to be hard. I didn't really know what to expect, though. Um, before we went to the dump, Michael? Busby, he's like the um, director, father of all the children, and um, he's a missionary there. He was sat down and talked to us, and he said, I know this is going to be really hard for you guys, um, but I want you to think about this. When you go into the dump, if you ever wanted to see through God's eyes, just think about this. And he said, these people are just like you. And I'm thinking, I don't live in a dump. I don't live in Nicaragua. I don't go through garbage. How are these people like me? And then he said this, except you know Jesus. And that got me. I was done after that. So I knew that I, oh Jesus. <laughs> I knew that I would just cry there, and I did. And it was hard, very, very hard. Because here, I think that if I don't get, hmm, Mom, it's in the blood. <laughs> I think that if I don't get one thing, then I throw fit. But there, they have garbage. Like, they live in garbage. They eat garbage. They have garbage. Their homes are made out of everything that they find in the dump. And so, <clears throat> just when Mom was talking about how we were backing up, um, going to the school, I look out my window, and there's these kids that are this little smiles on their faces, and I'm, oh, jeez. <laughs> thinking, how in the world can you be happy with the lack of trash? Like, how is that possible? Ooh. That was one thing that got me. And then um, I got really close to some of the kids at um, Casa Habla, which is the rescue home for the girls. And uh, we were on our way. We took them on a field trip to uh, a river or something on boat rides. And we were on the bus ride there. It was like an hour away. And one of the girls, Catherine, she was 15. 
And you know, you can't talk to anybody. They all speak Spanish, and all I know is habla espanol. I don't speak Spanish. And so to talk to them, you have to, like, use your hands and point at things, and somehow they know what you're saying. They've gone through it before. And so um, I'm just talking to the girls, and Catherine, she goes up and she puts in a CD. Well, who would have thought it would have been Justin Bieber? <laughs> and, you know, he's not Spanish, so it was in English. And all of these girls that speak no English are singing English songs. They don't know what they're saying, but they know every word to their boyfriend, Justin Bieber. And that got me, and I was thinking, because I like Justin Bieber too, and so I was thinking, if all of these girls, there were 15 of them, know every song to Justin Bieber, don't know what they're saying, but they know it like the back of their hand, and I was just thinking, how many of them like, not just those girls, but how many people don't know God? Like, if they think that Americans are just all about music or celebrities or whatever, but what we're really supposed to be about as Christians is telling others about Jesus. And if they know Justin Bieber over Jesus, what are we doing? So, um, a lot of people say that missions aren't for me, and I didn't know what to expect going into this if missions weren't for me, but... I love it, and I'm ready to go back to Nicaragua already. Um, But God says to go, straight up, go, everybody. The Bible wasn't written for a certain type of people. It's for everyone. Everybody needs to go. And like he says in Acts 1-8, go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Judea would be like right here, and Samaria is our closer surroundings, and then to the ends of the earth like Nicaragua. So if you can't go overseas or whatever, call your best friend and see how they're doing with God. You don't have to go on an airplane to tell about God. So that was just some of the things that got me. And if you want to know more, let me know. Somebody uh, came up and uh, asked me if I'd be interested in going. And I said, well, I'll think it over. And I uh, said, well, it took about five minutes. I decided, no, I don't want to go, and I sure don't want to go without my wife. So they asked again, and I said, well, I'll ask my wife, see if she can get off work, and she couldn't. So uh, I figured that was it. You know, I'm just not going to go. So uh, when the first team from uh, Africa gave their uh, testimony, I remember uh, Matt Winkleman got up there and said, uh, you know, God can use a, a simple man like me. And I was thinking, if he's simple, I mean, he's, he's got a, no telling how much college education, got established physicians practice in town. Uh, he teaches Sunday school. He's preached before. I've seen him at Tab Blue out there. So uh, he's a, you know, a doctor, a teacher, a preacher. He's an actor. I mean, it, I, I, you know, how if he's simple, what have I got to offer, you know? So, I mean, I, I mean, I can list on one hand, you know, my accomplishments. I got a high school diploma. 
but I just need one finger. That's all I got. I got a so. so anyway, uh, if if you listen to the the rest of the testimony, you all, probably all heard by now the uh, the little girl uh, was she twelve or did she fall twelve feet or both? I don't know. Yeah, seven. This little girl fell on her head and uh, it got pretty dire straits. Uh, Matt had done all he could for her and uh, pretty much everybody was just uh, uh, gathering around praying for her. So it was at that point right there that I realized that uh, what, what God did right then was he, uh, he leveled the, the playing field uh, God and everybody else. So uh, it it got me to thinking that, uh, you know, there wasn't anything else that anybody could have done for that for besides uh, pray for. I mean, Matt had exhausted everything he could do. <clears throat> Dwayne's probably preached thousands of sermons, and he could have preached the, the best one he ever had, saved a hundred souls, but it wouldn't have helped that little girl. So it made me see that <clears throat> I didn't think this part would be that hard. You're not do the rest. Uh, you know, God, like Duane says, the great I am showed up and said, be still and know that I am God. And so uh, the one thing that could be done was for a Christian would be, one, to believe in God, and two, to pray on her behalf, and three, trust God that he's in control, and four, give God the glory. And I, I can do all those things. Uh, being a believer empowers me to do that. So... Uh, the next time I was asked oh, on a trip, I said, well, I guess I can. We just need to trust God. If, if we go, if we wait to think that, you know, I've got a skill or a talent or, you know, I have to be something like that to go, we'll probably never go. And, you know, if you, all the excuses, I didn't want to go without my wife, I sure don't want to leave the country. I never, never I was high on my list. But uh, it's, it's just something that... Uh, that they all need to do and go see it. It, it. it changed me. I mean, I've heard the testimonies before, and you know, you believe them. You see the things on the news, the kids starving and everything. But until you see it, until you really see it, put faces with those names, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's just almost shameful how we live. And uh, we're, uh, everybody says, well, yeah, we're blessed here in America. Every time I tell the story, you know, we're blessed. I, you know, I think we afford it. We're blessed, one with. Uh, money and material things and we're also blessed with you know knowing God and, and having the knowledge of God and salvation and I just feel like if we hoard those things to ourselves and don't share them uh, you know the, the word of God and, and you know our blessings so that they become a curse to us because I think one day we're going to have to answer for those things and uh, you know it's not it's stuff that God's given us to be stewards of and uh, if we don't if we don't share then uh uh, no, I, I just think it's going to be a, a hard thing when, when God asks us what we've done with our things. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, like everybody said, you, you just need to go. If, if you got an excuse, you know, think you're too young, 15 years old right there. You know, this, this lady went. Uh, finances, they'll probably, you know, they'll find a way to send you. If God sends you, just go. Just go. So I don't know if i got anything else, but that's about all I'm going to be able to say. Thank you very much. Oh, I, I do thank God. I thank God for, for uh, letting me go. I thank God for the team that went to Africa. If they would have said no and didn't go, I wouldn't have heard the testimony. 
I wouldn't have been encouraged to go. I wouldn't have given this testimony, and hopefully I'm encouraging somebody to go. So, I mean, that one thing months ago is still going strong today, that one thing that God did. And I just thank God for them being obedient, going, giving their testimony, and an opportunity to go myself. So, thank you.
am Mamacita. Mamacita is Mamacita only extra sweet. I'm Susie's mother, Susie Busby's mother. And I've been here for four years now. And uh, when I came, Michael said, I said, what is my job? And he said, just be a grandma. Just be everybody's grandma. So I am everybody's grandma. And I am 81 years old now. But my eyes went away. I, got, I have bad eyesight. I can't see anymore. These are some prescription glasses I got. But, the, but Judy gave me, I have now two, look, I have this pair and this pair, and now I can read. <laughs> so I, I don't know what a, what a blind grandma can do, but now I can see. This is my, my casa, see my wisteria? Come in and let me show you. We are from a family of artists. Susie won't tell you, but she is also an artist. And her brother did some paintings for me. Come into my house. My son is an artist, and he sent me that picture, that painting there, and this one here. And if you can't see, it's very difficult to appreciate the paintings. <laughs> so I have, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the team that came and brought me some glasses. Thank you so much. And thank you for the children who put them together and put the labels on. We appreciate it so much. We don't have some of these things in Nicaragua, but it's wonderful when people like you come and bless us with these things. So praise God. Several mission reports over the years being your pastor, been participated in several. I was very impressed tonight. Amen. Did they bring it home to you? They, they really, really did. You know, there's a story that I've told before, and it's not original with me, of course, but the story of a man that was walking down the beach and uh, he came across a fella, and the fella was taking starfish that had been stranded and throwing them back into the water. And there was just literally hundreds of these starfish, and he would pick them up and throw them back into the water. And the guy said, What the world are you doing? And he said, uh, I'm saving starfish. I'm, I'm throwing starfish back into the water. And so the guy saw the multitude of starfish and said, man, there is no way you can save all these starfish. He said, no. And he picked one up and threw the water and said, no, but I can save that one. And that's really what Nicaragua is all about. Um, chance that any team can go down and save all the dumb kids, both spiritually and physically, probably not. But you know what? We can make a difference in some. That's what happened to Molly. And that's what happened in this year. God has called us to be a part of his massive plan in sharing and going. I can't believe how, you, how strong you guys, I don't have to stand up for my going, how strongly they encourage you guys to go on missions. And as you know, we've been active before in this year. We've been active in Mali. And both those are pretty hard places. Haiti was very hard. As you've heard tonight, this is a place where you, you can go. Guys, you can go. Rick can load you up 
on a plane and take you south. Now, the one thing that's going to keep that from happening is money. You know, I heard a, a pastor say one time, he pastored a church of about 14,000 people. And he said, we would like to send 1,000 people in the mission field this year, and I want the rest of you guys to pay for it. And I want you to look down and tell you that. I think it would be great if we could send 30 people a year on mission trips. And, and Nicaragua is a deal. About $1,100, $1,200 will get you there. Maybe $1,300 will get you there. Africa it's about a $3,000 trip. And we don't want to pay all the the souvenir stuff, but if we could buy everybody's plane ticket at one of one mission trip, that'd be incredible. And if we could send 30, I think we'd not be asking too much for the other 300 of us to pay for them to go. I'm hoping that one day God has blessed us with our budget offerings, that we can include that in our budget. God has blessed us with a surplus. Now, a lot of churches can say that we can't, that maybe next year in the budget, we can also include some money in the budget to help pay for these mission trips. Because I don't think money ought to be a reason for a person not to go on a mission trip. God has called us. And so you can't go. But you know what? I can pay the way of someone who's willing to go. So let me encourage you tonight to begin maybe giving to the mission fund a little long. There's a fund that's called Mission Trips. And just designate uh, some offerings to that. And we'll keep that fund supplied that people want to go can go. And, and Kathy was right. You know, Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And it's not a suggestion. God didn't want you to come stand one day and say, Hey, Doris Phillips, you kind of like want to reach Harrisburg. If you want to reach Chicago, if you want to reach Canada, if you want to reach the uttermost parts of the earth, you know, if you feel like it, if it's convenient, if you can afford it, you know, it's a command. And it's a command from the one who died for us. So I really want to encourage you to fund mission trips, to go on mission trips, to be a part of mission trips. And that means two blocks. Come on in. Come on. See, what I find, I'm going to get in trouble one day. What I find incredible is that the same people who say we ought not to go to Africa won't come out on Tuesday night visitation either. The same people who say we ought not to fly to Nicaragua won't go across the street and tell their neighbor. See, if we're not careful, we will exclude ourselves on all the different levels. Every field needs missionaries, and all of us are missionaries, and we're called to go. My goal for our church, what's your goal? My goal is to pastor 350 missionaries that show up and worship every single week. All of us on mission, whether it's across the street, two blocks south, or around the world, being a part. Give, go, and pray. And team, thank you so much for an incredible mission report from the heart. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Now, let me share what potentially could be some exciting news with you. As you know, we... I'm a very candid. We're mostly home folks tonight. We felt some frustration with our ministry and this year. And then finally it looked like the door just closed. That we weren't going to be able to go back. And we spent a day with Warren and Sharon in a mission conference that they had down in Metropolis First Baptist Church. And incredible things have changed in Warren and Sharon's ministry and view of ministry that really excited me. Uh, they're the ones who said, you need to go extremely slow with Muslims. And out of Sharon's mouth comes these words. You know what? I was taught to go slow. But the bottom line is they don't know Jesus. We need to share the gospel and let the chips fall where they may. So there's a good that we can't go back to Oblock. Oblock is still closed. But we can go to Tawa and, and Tawa and we can reach the Toreg there. We can go to Mali and reach the Toreg there. So I'm excited to report to you there's a possibility that we may be able to make some trips and minister to our, our first mission people group, which was the Toreg people. And I hope you'll be lifting up Warren and Sharon Hesley in prayer as they really are trying now to reach out in an aggressive way to the Muslim people and the Tory people group. So please remember them also in prayer. But I thought that was very exciting and encouraging news. All right? And so would you stand your feet, please? I'll dismiss the
Father, in Jesus' name, we just want to thank you tonight for touching our hearts through these, your servants, who went to Nicaragua. Father, one couldn't be here, Lindsay. Um, Father, I know her heart would echo these thoughts that we heard tonight. Father, you have allowed me to pastor this church now for almost 11 years. And I want to thank you for that privilege. And God, you are challenging me to challenge them to be more, do more, go more than ever before. Father, I want to pray that we will have a sacrificial heart, that we'll be willing to give our time, our talents, and yes, our money. Father, we can go and simply be obedient to you, again, whether it's two blocks south or around the world. Father, challenge us, because we are not our own. We are bought with a price. And after the tremendous price that you paid for our salvation, it's anything too much. So help us, God, to be obedient and to go. And again, thank you, Father, for touching our hearts, both through the testimonies, through the pictures, and through the video. Father, prepare us next week for a time of gathering together again in your word. Prepare our hearts. Use us this week, Father, as we leave this place. Put us on the mission field, wherever we might go. Father, bless the efforts Tuesday as this team goes to E-Town to help this church, Father, rebuild in the flood damage. Father, use us as we minister to disaster teams over in the building even tonight. Thank you, God, for letting us be your children. Thanks for this great church. Father, use us. In Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.